Hey, this is Brandon Emma Richardson, and we are the pastors here at Slate Church based in Waterloo, Ontario, and this is our Sunday podcast. We really hope this message inspires you to lean into all that God has for you. If you would like to get connected with us, follow us on social media or go to slatechurch.com. And hey, it helps us a lot if you would rate, review, subscribe, and share this podcast. Join us for today's message. We are in the middle of our Good Life series right now. And this series is all about this idea that right now uh, the world can, can kind of actually see the church as like immoral and oppressive. Uh, you know, there was a time in history not that long ago where the church was seen as Ned Flanders is what Pastor Brandon talked about, like diddly-doo neighbor. Uh, we're just kind of like the corny people around the corner who are living these good moral lives that are kind of lame. Uh, but something has shifted where, where the world no longer sees us as the good ones and them as like, hey, we're sinners, but we're having more fun or whatever. Uh, but the world actually sees Christians in the church as an evil, uh, oftentimes oppressive organization. Uh, some of this is caused uh, from real abuses that were committed uh, by churches and by religious organizations, by people who were sinful uh, and actually misused uh, what is meant to be the good news of Jesus, went against God's heart and used these institutions to actually hurt others. Uh, right now, as we're recording this today, uh, we're actually having our first uh, uh, a day of Truth and Reconciliation, National Day of Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada, uh, just remembering the Indigenous kids and families who were hurt and, and killed and affected by residential schools in Canada that were partly, partly perpetrated by the church. So some of it is things like this, where there was an abuse of power within the church. Uh, but another part of it is, is, is when uh, uh, it's actually like to the morality that the church holds to, what Christian orthodoxy is, what we do still actually believe about uh, a sex and marriage, what we believe about power uh, and, and helping those in need. It's about what we believe uh, 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 about how we should conduct ourselves and live our, live our lives. And the world can actually see this as like overly moral, overly oppressive, and thinks that it has a better morality, a new morality. And so this whole series of The Good Life is asking the question, how do we respond in a world that sees us this way? Last week, we talked about avoiding sin that corrupts our souls. See, even when the world celebrates this sin, when it celebrates these actions and activities that actually deteriorate our souls from the inside out, how can we actually uh, have a personal conviction where we allow the power of the Holy Spirit to transform us, change us, and shape us so that we can avoid that sin and have healthy, flourishing souls in the midst of a world that is suffering and hurting and actually use that to be a light and a beacon of hope and good news to the world around us. And this week, we want to talk about how we actually engage with the world. So last week we were talking about what does it look like to avoid sin that deteriorates our souls, and by doing so we can be a good example for the world. Uh, but, but as we begin to do that, as we go through this process of transformation, how can we actually engage with the world around us? What is the right way in which to do this? What does it actually mean to live this good life? And how are we actually going to transform the world through this life that we live? If you need a title for this message today, you can call it The Good Life, colon, It's to Die For. The Good Life, It's to Die For. What does it look like for us to live a life worth dying for? Why does this matter? Honestly, I think this is a timely conversation. 
this idea of how do we engage with the world around us? How do we engage with others on difficult conversations, on tough topics? I actually think it's an important thing for us to dive in and understand how do we uh, deal with evil and oppression? How do we handle uh, our interactions with government in our world in a time when we're confronted with a lot of big, weighty, really just heavy, controversial issues? As I mentioned, we are right now reckoning as a country with, frankly, the sins uh, of our country in hurting and oppressing indigenous peoples in this nation. Right now, we're in a time where we're having vaccine mandates rolled out all across our country, specifically here in Ontario, and we have people feeling conflicted and struggling with this. We have people struggling with masks. We have people struggling coming out of a pandemic. We have people struggling as they've just felt all this weight of isolation over the last year and a half, and now there's these different social issues and big divisive conversations. We're coming up the heels of an election that increased polarization and caused more conflict between peoples and opinions to be flying left and right. See, the weight of the last two years of living through this pandemic is weighing heavily on us. And I think this can lead us to a feeling of being worn out and easily frustrated. I have a good example of this um, as I was prepping my message. I was prepping my message, I was working on it, I decided to go get lunch with my dad, which was really nice. Uh, and so I go, we have lunch, it's great. I'm driving back to our church office. And so I'm driving back and like, uh, I'm on this road that's just like a straight road, right? Like we're just going, going straight is good. There's no stop signs, no nothing. I'm pulling up to an intersection of another road and I'm going to turn left, okay? So I'm on a straight road. There's an intersection, there's another road. I'm going to turn left. No stop signs for me, no nothing, no cars coming the other way. And this other road, they had stop signs on either side. So I'm like, okay, put on my blinker. I'm going, I'm not stopping. I'm just slowing down a little bit. I'm going to make this turn because I have the right of way. And I'm going down, and right as I'm about to get to the intersection, this person who stopped at the stop sign, uh, 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 coming the other way, decides to pull out right in front of me, and that that's just their good time to go. And I have to slam on the brakes, and immediately in that moment, I just like got like heated. I started to get frustrated. I'm like, this idiot! Like, what are they doing? Like, I couldn't even control my reaction. I'm like, what a jerk! And immediately, I just, I just laid on the horn, just. Just absolutely laid on the horn. And, and there's good safety reasons we have horns in our cars. Sometimes it's to let somebody know you're there, you know, to avoid an accident. But that wasn't the situation at all, not even a little bit. They were already pretty much through the intersection at this point. I had already been able to slow down and stop well enough, but I wanted them to know that they were in the wrong and that I was frustrated and I laid on my heart, and this moment, uh, I wasn't thinking about what could have been going on in their life. Maybe they're at the stop sign and they had their GPS up and all of a sudden they got the sad news that their cat Skittles passed away and they were just shaking up and they started going through. I don't know what's happening in their life. I don't know if they felt bad immediately when they went to the intersection. I don't know what's going on. I don't know their story. I wasn't thinking about what might be happening with them. I wasn't empathizing with them. But immediately my reaction in that moment was bam, 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 just laying on the horn, letting my frustration out. I felt tense. I felt frustrated. And I think that's what it feels like in our world right now. We log on to social media and we see something, uh, we see an injustice in the world being highlighted and we think it's important and it's valuable that this is being highlighted, but it just frustrates us and it pains us. We have this reaction. 
We, we see somebody walking through the mall and they're not wearing a mask. And we're like, oh, what an idiot. Burn, burn, burn. Why aren't they doing that? Maybe you see somebody checking vaccine uh, passports at a restaurant and you don't agree with that. And immediately it's just burn, burn, burn. What's going on here? It's so frustrating. And I think we've been so online. We've been, been so out of relationship with real people. We've been in a situation where there's all these political conversations. There's a, a, a injustice being highlighted, which is a good thing and an important thing. But we keep seeing this stuff over and over again and it's causing us to live out of this place of reacting and today I want to ask what does it look like for us to lay off the horn today I want to make a case for engaging with the world with the world with our hearts not our horns what does it look like to engage with the world uh, uh, and respond to the weight of injustice disease conflict and politics with love service sacrifice and submission suffering even to death, rather than anger, frustration, power, wealth, our opinions, and all the things the world tells us we should respond with. See, when we do this, when we understand what it means to live a life worth dying for, when we understand how to actually engage with the world with our hearts instead of our horns, to actually put ourselves on the line, to be meek, to be vulnerable, to actually be willing to suffer through injustice so that we might see a greater glory on the other side, we will see transformation now and into eternity. I want to read a little scripture. 1 Peter. 2:11 to 25. We've been in 2:11 and 12 throughout this whole series. It says, "Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul." That's what we talked about last week. "Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us." And I love it cuz Peter doesn't stop there. He goes further. He continues on describing this good life. And I'm just going to give you a warning right now. This might be challenging for some of us as I read it. There's going to be some heavy stuff I'm about to read through. And I want to encourage you. Let's just take a moment and take this in. I think this scripture is going to be up on the screen. I'd encourage you, if you have a physical Bible, open it up. Look, 1 Peter 2, verse 13 is where we're going to be starting. If you have it on your phone, open your Bible app. Take a look at this and let's go through this together wrestle with it together. It says, submit yourselves to, for, submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. This is heavy. Submit yourself for the Lord's sake to every human authority. I think as we struggle through vaccine passports and some people's concerns and hesitations and frustrations with these as we struggle through mask mandates and kind of the restrictions that we've been experiencing all throughout COVID, as we struggle through the perpetration of evil and violence by our government against indigenous peoples, I think this is a heavy scripture to read. And it's important that we understand what it's saying here is that the government actually has a place and a role in society, even if it's imperfect. And in every way that we can, we need to submit ourselves to it. 
We need to honor everybody. We need to honor our governments. We need to do whatever we can to submit to it, to play by the rules that they have, so that we will not be able to be judged for anything valid or reasonable that we've done. We're not causing a scene for the sake of causing a scene. We're not getting caught up in the little details and focusing on the minors and fighting about things that don't matter, but so that we can actually stand in truth for the major things. It says, fear God. Love the family of believers. See, when it comes to taking care of one another, when it comes to fearing God and doing what he has called us to, that is where we must stand firm and stand strong no matter what, but, 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 but actually surrendering ourselves still to consequences. It doesn't end here. Peter goes on. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. Again, this is challenging stuff. Is the Bible like condoning slavery or something here? What's happening? I can assure you right now, it's not condoning slavery. We still believe in the God who describes what he prioritizes uh, at, 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 when he says, is not this the fast that I choose to loose the bonds of wickedness, to do, undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? See, we believe, that's from Isaiah 58, by the way, we believe in a God of justice. We believe in a God who wants to help the oppressed who is there for the hurting, who is hope in their time of need. But, we, but, but what the Bible is showing us here is that the way that we create a difference, the way that we change the world, is not going to be through fighting back with violence. It's not going to be through some big uprising, but it's actually through our suffering, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our hurt, in the midst of injustice, being willing to stand up and continue to believe what we believe, continuing to be faithful to God, to show hope in the darkest places, and knowing that that will transform the world. It goes on, it says, To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Jesus, when he was being persecuted and brought to the cross, he was put before Pilate. He had every chance to defend himself, and he chose not to. He accepted his suffering. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. See, when Jesus took that pain, took that hurt, took that shame on the cross, he did it. Uh, he did it because he knew that there was a greater hope on the other side of his death and his suffering. By his wounds, you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. See, we believe in a good God, and I legitimately believe that when we actually engage with the world, not through our bah, 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 our honking, our noise, just adding to the arguments and division that we already see, but, but with practical action rooted in a hope uh, uh, that God is good and he is renewing the world around us, uh, when we actually willingly accept suffering with grace and love and dignity, God will do big things. He will transform the world and he will bring about freedom here and now. I think to understand how this all fits together, we need to understand our hope as Christians. 
the book of 1 Peter that we're going through has two main themes, suffering, which we're talking about, and hope. And unless we understand the hope side of things, we won't be able to properly understand the, the, the way of suffering and why that's so important. See, it's important to clarify that our hope as Christians is not that we would live such a good life that we earn our way into heaven. I want to make this point really clear. It's not that we would live such a good life that we earn our way into heaven, heaven being some disembodied place. But actually our hope as Christians, what the Bible actually teaches us is that we don't leave this world behind for good at all. There actually is a life after, life after death. See, we actually believe that one day Jesus will come back and renew the earth. And all those who have accepted him as their Lord and Savior, uh, who, who have welcomed the Spirit into us, uh, all of those will, be, will actually be called back from heaven, will be given renewed, physical, tangible, real bodies, so that we can do what we were always called to do with Christ. See, from Genesis to Revelation, God is enacting a plan that goes all the way back to the garden, where he told Adam and Eve that they would rule over creation with him. See, the hope of Christianity is not just that we would do good so we can go off to some other disembodied place of spirits or something like that. That's actually not a Christian idea. The hope of Christianity is that we would uh, actually become citizens of God's kingdom. We would actually become subjects of Jesus, our Lord and King, because we know he is a just king, he is a good king, and that we would actually live uh, here on earth with a future hope, knowing that he's going to come back, he's going to renew us, he's going to renew the earth, and he's going to bring about justice. This is the hope of Christianity, not to escape the world, but to work alongside God to rejuvenate the world. N.T. Wright, in his book Surprised by Hope, all about this says, what you do in the present by painting, preaching, so singing, sowing, praying, teaching, building hospitals, digging wells, campaigning for justice, writing poems, caring for the needy, loving your neighbor as yourself, and, and I'll add from First Peter, by suffering, will last into God's future. These activities are not simply ways of making the present life a little less beastly, a little more bearable, until the day when we leave it behind altogether. They are part of what we may call building for God's kingdom. See, our hope in an eternity that Jesus is ruling over in a new earth and a new creation actually leads us to action. It leads us to value the world that we find ourselves in. It leads us to value justice and to value change, to be willing to take action to, to alleviate suffering. See, we're talking about what it looks like to suffer graciously here. But I think what is important to call out is we don't want to be the petition, the politician at the rally. I saw like a meme the other day. It was so funny. It was Netflix tweeting about like how there's not enough TV shows that include like certain kinds of friendships. And it's like, you're literally Netflix. You decide what TV shows get made. You guys can change this. There's another one, and it was Trudeau uh, walking at like a climate change protest, and it's like, you're literally the prime minister. You get to make policy and actually change this stuff. Like, why are you at the protest? It's protesting to get you to do something. And in the same way, we don't want to, as Christians, be the ones being like, oh man, this world is so unjust, and then we're, uh, we're actually committing injustice on the other side of it. We want to take responsibility, take action, love our community, and care for others. But we also need to realize that that action often leads to suffering. 
And when we stand up for what is right, when we stand up for what is true, it can lead us into places of suffering, into places of conflict. And that's not our opportunity to get louder, to just post like crazy on social media. It's not our opportunity to complain and to whine as Christians, but it's actually our opportunity to suffer gracefully, showing love and respect and service to the people around us so that they might see the hope of Jesus on the other side of our suffering. And I want you to know today that what you do, whether that's your actions or your suffering, it matters both here and into eternity. The best way I heard this, this described is it's kind of like uh, uh, everything we do now is like building the blocks. And then when Jesus comes back in eternity, he's going to put it all together into the kingdom. Uh, and we don't know totally how this works. But what we do know is that your relationships, your friendships, your love, anything that is of God is of the kingdom, your creativity, your hard work, and even your suffering is contributing both to changing the world today and also changing the world in the future. It's actually contributing building blocks to the beautiful, eternal, just, wonderful kingdom of Jesus that we can put our hope in. So in the context of all of this, how do we engage with the world? Look at this scripture. I believe that we should follow every law and listen to every authority. Don't give the world ammunition to attack the good news of Jesus based on our lawlessness, unrest, and honking back at them. But fear God. Take action for your faith. Don't let your faith be something you post about on social media and proclaim on Sunday morning. Let it be something that is in every minute of your day and how you treat others, how you care for others, how you respond to conflict, how you support those in need. Honor everyone, but love the brotherhood. Love your fellow Christians. Take care of them. Free them from oppression. Help when they are in need. Support each other. Submit even to cruel forces, even to evil. And if they choose to punish you for doing good things and holding to the hope of Jesus, then don't fight back with honking horns and the world's anger and emotions, with tearing others down, with adding to the noise on social media. Suffer with grace and dignity, showing kindness and love to the world around you. And know in your action and your suffering, you are contributing hope today and into eternity. Live the life worth dying for the life of hope, of peace, of justice, and of love. I want to close with a story of suffering in action. This story shows the nuances, the beauty, and the power of living a life worth dying for, of following Jesus, even in his call to carry the cross. This is the story of a guy named Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Uh, he was a pastor. He was a German guy. Raised the Nazis were coming into power. And he fought back against them in a lot of little ways. You know, as they were coming into power, he was raving, waving the flag, warning about the way that they were trying to use the church and corrupt it in order to bring about their national socialist uh, agenda and ideologies of, of hate and racism. And he was pushing back against it uh, continually more and more throughout his life. Uh, and interestingly enough, even as a pacifist, he ultimately decided to contribute to a plot to assassinate Hitler believing that that's what it looked like to fear God, even in that situation, and actually protect the government of Germany from the sinful, uh, 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 from the sin of Hitler and the Nazi regime. And he failed at it. The plot didn't work. He was thrown into a concentration camp. And Bonhoeffer has some really interesting writings in some of his letters about this idea that sometimes as Christians, our calling is to suffer even when we don't succeed 
even when we don't see our suffering, actually lead to hope in the world around us. And what I think is so beautiful and important about Bonhoeffer's story is not as a justification of like, okay, we can fight back against the government in any way we want. All right, murder is okay. I think that was a really uh, a tough decision that he had to wrestle with, even when it came to somebody as terrible as Hitler, uh, to be involved in that plot. But what we can see and see is the way that he conducted himself in that concentration camp. He was loved by everyone there, including some of the guards and some of the Nazi officials who were watching over them because of his kindness, his love, his grace, his willingness to care for and serve the people around him, even in the midst of one of the darkest places on earth, even in the midst of a concentration camp, even in the midst of, of human evil and oppression, he was able to love even his enemies around him and show the good news and the love of Jesus in his demeanor and his actions. Not only this, but he ended up actually dying. He was killed uh, shortly before the war ended. He suffered even to death for what he believed in. And in his life, he did not see success. The plot that he was a part of failed. But what is so beautiful is that even though he didn't see it, even though he suffered, and to his mind it may have been in vain, but he knew there was a greater hope on the other side of it, God used his suffering, God used his story, God used his martyrdom to actually influence and rebuild the church across Germany. His books and his writings became popularized. It was discovered what he talked about, this idea of the cost of discipleship and what it actually takes to follow Jesus, what it actually looks like to carry our own cross. And people saw through his martyrdom that he lived it out even to death, and that actually helped to reform the German church uh, after the Nazi influence and corruption uh, and, and actually really helped to build a deep faith uh, and a deep call to discipleship across the globe. I think this is a beautiful story of the nuances of this, of the challenge of it, of how hard it is to know what are the hills we should die on, where should we take a stand, where should we submit, what does this look like? But I hope that it encourages us that there is a way forward that is the way of the cross. It is a life worth dying for. It's a way of suffering and service. It's a way of submission and sacrifice. It's a way of laying off the horn, of setting aside our initial reactions, of surrendering our frustrations to God and saying, Lord, I believe in your justice. I believe in your goodness. I believe that you want to change the world. I want to live this good life. I want to be a part of transformation in the world around me, but I'm going to do it through act, an act of surrender. I'm going to take the narrow path and experience Jesus and share that experience of Jesus with the people around me through my actions and even through my suffering. If you're here today and maybe you don't really know this way of Jesus, uh, I can't say I've made the most convincing case for why it's uh, a great time or anything like that today, but I do believe it is the right way forward. So if you're watching this and maybe you've never made a decision to follow Jesus, to actually, uh, uh, actually you know, take those steps to be transformed by his power, to actually begin to step forward and learn what it looks like to model your life after him, you don't have this all figured out right away. But if you're here and you're saying, hey, I don't really know Jesus, but I know that we live in a chaotic, crazy, messed up world that has a lot of suffering, a lot of pain, a lot of hurt. And, and if that guy was willing to die for me, if he was willing to sacrifice myself for me, and if he, and, and if him, there's a greater hope of justice and of peace and of resolution. If I don't have to live from frustration to frustration, I want that. Then I want to give you an opportunity right now to make that decision. 
So wherever you are, if you're in your car, if you're uh, at home tuning in, if you're watching on your phone, your laptop, your TV, I don't know where you are right now. You're watching live, you're watching on demand. I just wanna give you an opportunity right now that if that's you, I just wanna encourage you to raise a hand. It's not like anything like magical or special about raising your hand. All it is is you making a declaration saying, okay, I wanna follow Jesus. I'm making this decision today and I wanna pray for you. God, I thank you for everyone making this decision today. I just pray that you would be with them, Lord God, as they choose to follow after you. I just pray that even right now in this moment, they could experience your presence, Lord God. I thank you for this decision. We know that you are with them. We know that you, they get to participate in your hope for humanity, Lord God. And I just pray that you would be with them as they walk out this journey and confess their faith for you. Pray this in your name, amen, amen. That's the best decision you could ever make. Pastor Emma's gonna be back up here in a minute. She can tell you a bit more about what it looks like to get connected and get some people coming alongside you and supporting you as you begin to live out this life of following Jesus. And I also wanna take a minute right now and pray for anybody here who's saying, hey, I need to count the cost. I wanna live a life worth dying for. Hey, I've been getting frustrated at a lot of things. I've been feeling pretty overwhelmed. I've been feeling pretty beat down. Honestly, my mental health isn't in the best place. I've been trying to engage with the world, but I'm realizing now that I've been doing it out of anger, out of rage, out of frustration, and out of my own hurt. And I want to begin to engage the world out of a place of peace and hope in Jesus Christ. That's you here today. I know that that's me here today. I struggle with this. I get frustrated. But if that's you here today, I just want to pray for, for you and for me right now before we go. And I just want to encourage you that the best way to do this, the best way to find this peace and to take the first steps down this road is to simply surrender in prayer. Set aside time to pray, to be with Jesus, to surrender to him and see how the Holy Spirit shapes your heart and forms you so that you can walk down this path. Let's pray. God, I just thank you so much for who you are. I just thank you that you are a God of love and a God of justice, that you actually want to set the world to rights, Lord God. I just pray right now that as we engage with the world around us, as we engage with politics, as we engage with evil, as we engage with suffering, as we engage, engage with challenging conversations and conflict with our family and friends and all these different things, Lord God, I just pray right now that we would do so out of a place of humility and surrender. Right now, God, for me, I just pray that I, I could just submit and surrender my frustrations and my initial gut reactions to you, Lord God. I just lay my anger down before you right now, God, and pray that you would move in my life and you would move in the lives of everybody else who's watching and tuning in here today and saying that they want this, Lord God. I pray right now that you would just give us a clear perspective on the way forward of peace, Lord God, that we would wrestle faithfully with some of these conversations and challenges before us. I pray that we would choose the narrow path, we would choose the way of suffering, we would choose the way of humility, Lord God, and that we would follow you as you went to the cross because you knew that on the other side was resurrection and hope for the world. We pray this in your name. Everybody said, amen. Let's worship church. Thanks again for listening to our Sunday podcast. To hear more messages like these, be sure to share and subscribe. We're thankful for all that God is doing in our church right now. We would love to have you be a part of what is going on. You can connect with us by filling out a connect card online at slatechurch.com. And hey, stay tuned for more content coming soon.